Hey everyone, we hope you're having a great week. My name is Eric Johnson, and along with my wife Candace, we are the lead pastors of Studio. We are based in Greenville, South Carolina, and we just want to take a moment and say hello and say thanks for listening to this podcast. So with that, let's get right to it. Well, tomorrow, some of you, if you're in school, you probably have a a day off tomorrow. Some of our jobs are going to be off because we are taking time to remember and to celebrate a man who impacted our nation, impacted our lives greatly, even though we didn't know him, because of what he partnered with and what he gave his life for. Tomorrow is Martin Luther King Jr. Day and MLK, and I'm so thankful. I'm inspired by his life and his conviction and um, what he gave everything for. There's a quote up on the screen. It says, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. Um, What he lived for was super inspiring in the way he did life. Um, His nonviolence movement was extremely powerful. Um, The level of challenge and um, discrimination and hate that he faced was was extremely crazy, and the amount of love and peace that he moved forward with um, is just undoing to me and challenging. So I just love to honor him, and um, even as we go forward and tomorrow, just wanting to, one way I know to honor him and his legacy is even growing more in um, my own awareness and knowledge of what he gave his life for. Uh, We are not very far from the King Center that's in Atlanta. If you haven't been there, I highly encourage you to go there. I sit there and walk through and look at even his quotes and what he did in his life. And um, I feel inspired and challenged just to give God my all and um, to partner with his love. So um, my encouragement in honor of MLK is that we do something just to grow and learn in the area of love, because that's what he did and that's what he gave his life for. So MLK day tomorrow. Um, Enjoy your day off if you have it off. (laughs) So I'm so excited to be together tonight. I feel like um, there's been something that I've been experiencing in my own life that I want to share as I feel like God's actually inviting us. It's not even an invitation. It's something that's actually happening. So I'm just sharing what I feel like God's already doing, but I want to stir up our faith in this area and crack something open. I started noticing it as I was getting ready for Christmas, and the difference was Christmas this year, getting ready for it, was really fun. And I know Christmas should be fun for everybody, but the last couple years, specifically two years ago, it was the opposite of fun. It was like, I felt like a Scrooge because I told Eric, I think you're going to have to buy all the Christmas presents this year because I don't want to buy anything. I don't even know why we do this. I mean, I know why we worship Jesus, but I don't know why we just buy so many gifts. And there's just so much, I was, I was overwhelmed. And it's because I was in this deep grieving. I was grieving because it was that year, two years ago, that we were, we were leaving where God had planted us and didn't know where we were going necessarily. But God was just ripping our hearts away from the things that we had uh, partnered our hearts with. And um, so there's just really deep grieving going on. And, um, and you know, when things are so big, your just capacity for anything else just gets really small. And mine was just very small. And um, so it was a decent season of grieving. But for uh, me, the hardest thing that I had to let go of uh, was our daughters. So we had, um, they had grown up in Reading, and we knew that we were leaving. And by the time, like two years ago, I think this week, we came to the Carolinas for the first time. We came on a road trip because we knew we were leaving Bethel. We were like, we don't know what we're, I think we're going to plan a church. 
Well, I think we're going to the Carolinas. We had never been here, though. So you're going to a place you've never even been. And um, so we're like, we should go take a road trip. So two years ago, this week, we were driving through Greenville, and we stayed here for a couple nights. Um, and um, in this season, it became apparent that more each trip, more likely, like, I think it's Greenville that we're going to come to. So finally, by trip two, we came to Greenville, and then we did a sabbatical at Lake Martin in Alabama. And um, it was a great time just to be alone with God and ourselves. And it was continued grieving. Like, when I say grieving, like, for a whole year. I know, I don't know if you've ever, ever grieved really big things, but it just... It's just there, and you just kind of cycle around. Even though you don't focus on it, when you're not thinking about it, you just come back to this kind of deeper place inside of your spirit. Just, it was sad. And um, by the time we got to the lake, we'd been our second trip here, and you kind of knew, like, I think we're going to move to Greenville, South Carolina. And you have to understand, I would even say, like, Greenville, South Carolina, because I have never thought of this place. It is so, like, there is a place. And, um, and it was exciting because at least we had a future. Because when you leave stuff, you're like, what, what, is, what is there a future for me? So we were excited that there was a future. But the daunting thing was growing up in Northern California and raising our kids there and had never really done much in the Southeast. And knowing that we were going to move there, I thought, gosh, I have to be ready to leave our daughters and to be okay, what if they never move to where we're, we're moving? What if they get married and have kids and all that? And I'm just, we never live together again. And it might not seem like a big deal to anybody else, but they are like, gave everything to be mom. And to just, I was, so we we're a very close family. And um, that was just something really big to, to face. And um, I'm fine to take risk and to do things, but I love, it's important to count the cost because once you do it, like, it's your choice. We have to live with it. So it was a deep time of counting the cost. And um, of course, when we told them, we're going to move to Greenville, South Carolina, they're like, where? Yeah. Um, when you guys, of course, there's no pressure, but of course, you're always welcome wherever we go. No, we're not moving there. <laughs> um, and it's not surprising. They had no connection to this place. Um, so that was just definitely a big thing for, for me to let go of and to face. And, and once, we, once I did it, it's okay. Like, I know God is faithful, but you know how you know he's faithful? But then there's like, I don't know how it's all going to work out. Like, I don't understand and I can't figure out. But I know that you are faithful and you're going to take care of me and you know my heart. So I was okay. I trust him and you just move forward. But you don't know how it's all going to work out. And as we got ready for this Christmas, it was completely opposite of the Christmas that I described where I just had no extra margin. This one felt rich. It felt settling. It felt like I had a lot of capacity because we're going to celebrate one year at studio. And I can tell you that God has been so faithful, so faithful of every single, in every area. And um, this Christmas, our daughters came back to visit. Even their boyfriends came back to visit. One of them got engaged here in Greenville. And yeah, it's so cool. A daughter's engaged. But it's cool too. Like she, it was important to her um, to, because uh, he's the one who decided to be engaged here. <laughs> but um, she really um, was looking forward to being here. And he chose to propose to her in Greenville because he felt like that was really important and to be with her family and everything. And it was just so sweet, the kisses from God and the whole story. And I just wanted, and as I was um, just reflecting back on the last couple years and then going through this experience, 
I can feel this turning, and I felt it, I've experienced it many times with God, how he takes things that are broken, that are lost, or that felt stolen or hopeless, and he begins to turn them like only God can do, and he takes something that felt bitter and hard and made it really sweet and rich, and I've got to experience it. It's happening in my own life right now in the area of this family, and our daughter, one daughter's going to move here, and one daughter's not going to move here, and I don't even think it's about them moving here, but it's just about knowing that God is faithful in that place. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's not about controlling, and it has to turn out exactly like I think, or he's not faithful, but it's like I'm experiencing his faithfulness of God right now in my story, and as I've thought about it, um, I just know, like, it's actually not just for me. It's for you guys. There's actually stuff in your story right now that God is wanting to turn. And really, it's reflecting back to his nature that he's a redeemer. Do you know that he redeems? That's just what he does. Jesus gave his life to redeem something that was lost and broken, stolen. It was us. It's, it's our hearts. It's what sin has done to us. And, um, but it's not just in the area of, oh, he wants us saved and healed and delivered. But he actually wants to take things in our lives that have been lost and broken and stolen. And he's going to redeem them. And so tonight, uh, my heart is really to stir up your faith. Because it's really important what we do in the middle of our journey. It actually will dictate um, what we look like when we get to the other side of the journey. But also where we end up. And so I want to encourage us and really um, stir up your faith. But also crack open hope. I know Reva talked about it, talked about an injection of hope. We're not going to be passing out needles or anything, but, um, <clears throat> but I do. <laughs> but I do feel like that's what the Lord wants to do to us tonight is to actually take our hope and increase it tonight because of what he's doing in us. We are not supposed to stay where we're at now. There's things that have lingered too long that are supposed to turn. And we're, I'm, we're supposed to pray with each other to step into a new space. How does that sound? Okay, so Lord, Lord, I just ask right now that any area of hopelessness, any area that's been lost, stolen and broken, that tonight that there would be a turning and redemption in that area. And I thank you for your nature of who you are as a redeemer. And I pray that you would show us your face as a redeemer tonight, God. I thank you for who you are, and I invite you right into the middle of every situation and every story, and I thank you in advance for what you're doing. I thank you for the turning, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. I want to start with Isaiah um, 61. I love this chapter. This chapter is Jesus. This is, a, this is prophetically Jesus. He even talks, uh, says the same scripture in the Gospels, but what I love about this, so we'll read it. You've probably read it before, but what I want you to focus on is in his nature as a redeemer, look how opposite he redeems. So like we talk about something broken, he does the opposite. He binds it together. When we talk about something that is sick, he heals. So as we read this, I just want you to focus in on how extravagant he is that he redeems to the complete opposite. So the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the broken hearted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, 
that he may be glorified. If we can stay there for just one moment, going back to the last one, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. I actually feel like there's a key in that one. When we're people of faith, we get to step into what we know we have in him even before we have it. So if you are experiencing heaviness, then I, we know exactly what to do. When they're up here dancing and worshiping, you should be the craziest one of them all. You, know, that's, you want to break something off, you just step into it. If your feelings, if you just start thanking God for who he is and already thanking for what he's providing, it's part of faith. Is faith is what you have hoped for, but you do not see yet. You just begin to step into it. And so these are just little keys because this is where we're going into this. So let's go on. I want to skip down to verse 7, Isaiah 61, 7. Instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. Can you say double? double. That's the extravagance of God. You don't, we don't just get like, oh, God is so good. He, he changed the situation. Like he eradicates the situation. That is the Lord. Stuff that has, was lost, he comes back and completely double portions it. And instead of confusion, that they shall rejoice, rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. This is our inheritance, guys. So no matter where you're at on the story, I just want to say hope. Hope. I don't know where you're at in your marriage, in your relationships, in your jobs, where you're at. And there's so many spots in our stories that um, stuff can go in so many directions. And I just want to invite God and invite his hope right into that situation. Invite him as a redeemer into every part of your story. Um, I want to take a moment and just talk about Ruth. I don't know if you've ever read this book in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. It's a small little book. There's only four chapters, um, but it is um, encouraging, inspiring, and challenging to see what God does in these, um, in these people and in this story. And I just want to take a moment to share a little bit about Ruth. Um, Ruth begins with uh, two people, Elimelech and um, Naomi. They leave uh, Judah and they move to Moab because there's a famine in Judah. And as they go, they have two sons. And um, once they get there, then the husband, Naomi's husband dies. So the dad dies. And then it's just the mom and two sons. Well, the sons get married. Married, and they marry Ruth and Orpah, and, um, and then they're married. I think they're there for 10 years, and then the husbands die, the sons die. That, so then there's a mother-in-law and two women in the country of Moab. So this is not like the, the dreamy, like this is what they dreamed of in life, is to be there and be alone. Um, I don't know if you've ever lost someone, but um, it's extremely traumatic. And I'm just the context of where they're at is really important that we understand it. Um, and up here you're seeing um, in Ruth 1.14, you begin to see, Ruth is one of the main characters of this book, hence it's called Ruth. And um, she, you begin to see a little bit about her character in her response. Um, after her, husband's, um, her husband died, her brother-in-law died, and the mom says, you know, I'm not going to have any more sons. You should probably just go back to your families. Um, you know, maybe you could find another life there. Um, and I'm going to go back to my people. She's going back to Judah. And, um, 
And Ruth responds to her. Well, they say they lift up their voices and wept again because it was a very sad time. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law because she's basically, okay, I'm going to go back then. Um, but Ruth clung to her. And I, right there, you start to see a woman who was resilient, a woman who um, is dedicated. And um, she's, and then in the next verses, you see um, extreme commitment that just, a person who has a full yes. This is a hardcore yes. So Ruth begins to, uh, goes on and tells her mother-in-law, entreat me not to leave you or to go back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. The Lord so do to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. Now there is commitment in death do us, do our, do us to us part um, from Ruth to a mother-in-law. A mother-in-law who had nothing else to give her. Um, and I think about Ruth in that moment. Like is she just have just enough faith to go well? at least I'll have someone I know in my future and that's, what, that's as much as she can muster up? Or is it something like, oh, well, maybe I have faith in God. He'll take care of me. You know, I'll go with my mother-in-law and we'll be okay. It's gonna, it's gonna be okay. I just can imagine what is Ruth thinking at this time of complete devastation and complete loss as she moves forward? Because when we're in times when we have loss, you can only see so much in the natural. Like, it's just, it's impossible. We don't know what's going to happen. That's why tonight I'm going, I'm going to stir up that faith. Because even when you don't know what's going to happen, he's still faithful. And that's where we rest. We rest in who he is. So Ruth, she, we're getting to see her um, committed, hard-working personality, just even in her response. So her and her mother-in-law... They go back to Bethlehem. This is where Naomi's from. When they go back to Bethlehem, the women are excited to see them. And I love, I want to read how Naomi responds just so you can understand the context of what was really going on in Naomi. And this is important because I read, so when the shack first came out, all my friends were reading it and they're like, oh my gosh, God is so good. This is, oh, I've never been experienced him like this. This book is just wrecking me. So of course I want to read the book, but they don't really tell me what the book's about except for how good God is and all this stuff. So I start reading the book and I'm like, what's going to happen to this daughter? Oh my gosh, someone's going to die. It's a horrible story. It's a horrible story of a, a, a dad losing a daughter, a family losing a daughter who gets murdered. And I'm like, why did I read this book? But I was already in chapter four or five by the time she dies. So I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't watch those kind of movies. I don't read those kind of books. Like I'm a mom, like that's not, why would I read those stories? Um, but I already got into it before I realized what was happening. And so then I'm like, well, I'll just keep reading. And so I actually did not like that I read that. But then you go on to see the journey and the shack is actually where he meets God and some healing takes place and it's extremely stunning and gorgeous. Um, and I didn't like that I read that book, parts of it, but then by the time I got to the end, it just made so much more sense, the level of healing that he needed because the sadness was so sad. You know, and so I don't love sadness, but sometimes we need to see and try to understand it to actually understand how much of a healer and a restorer God is. 
to actually know him. So even in reading this next, the devastation, you see in, um, these are Naomi, this is the mother-in-law. When the women of, um, in Bethlehem, they come, are excited to see her, um, this is how Naomi responds. But she, she said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi since the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has afflicted me? This is a woman who's extremely traumatized and devastated. Um, Naomi actually means pleasant, but she says, don't call me that. Call me Mara. That means bitter. Call me bitter. So she's just, she's lost everything. But then she has this daughter-in-law, Ruth, who's extremely committed, extremely loyal. And when they get back into Bethlehem, she instantly goes and starts collecting um, wheat and um, food for them. And there's, um, they have a relative um, named Boaz, who is a very wealthy man. And she goes to his fields and he finds favor, she finds favor in his eyes. And the reason she finds favor is probably for a lot of things, but it says in there because um, he knows her to be a hard worker. And she she is uh, loyal to her mother-in-law, takes care of her, and um, she finds so much favor with Boaz that um, they end up getting married. And um, see, the story continues, but did Ruth know this when she made the commitment to Naomi? No, and that's just, that's what it is, part of the journey we can't see until it happens. So Ruth um, and Boaz get married, and they have a son, or they have a baby, they have a son, and um, it's crazy. I, I love, this is the part of the story I want to hone in on, and I want to stir up the faith because it's easy to read a story that we know the beginning, the middle, and the end. And I love reading it to encourage us because right now we're just in the middle. But I want to tell you that the story isn't over yet, but we can read what happens with Ruth. Um, the next... In chapter four of Ruth, if you go to the next slide, please, we want to get to see how things turned. And it's redemption and um, the Isaiah 61 for uh, Ruth and Naomi. So this is Naomi and the women, the ones that were excited to see her, um, the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a close relative and may his name be fa uh, famous in Israel. And may he be to you a restorer of life and a nurturer of your old age. Because see, Naomi had a grandson now because of Ruth. And uh, for your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better than seven sons has borne him. I don't know if you know much about uh, women and men and baby girls and baby boys in the Old Testament. But sons were very privileged. And all the women around her are saying that her daughter-in-law is better than seven of them. Like this is like not just a little like, wow, God is good, but better than seven sons has borne him. Also, the neighbor women gave him um, a name saying there is a son born to Naomi and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse and the father of David. This is a huge thing because if you read David about King David in the Bible, all he was not just a little character. He was such a big character that Jesus is, re is referred to as son of David. Like David's, for generations, they were um, protected against um, harm and even the Lord doing stuff against them. Because of your father, David, I won't do this to you. Like David is a huge character known after man or God's own heart. And that is Ruth's great-grandson. 
Like, it's just crazy what God does in stories where there was utter loss. He didn't just, oh, I'm going to give you a husband. Oh, I'm going to give you a son. Actually, I'm going to um, put you in the lineage, lineage of King David and Jesus. Like, I go to read Matthew 1, and my heart just gets tender and a little teary because I see Redeemer God there. Just in Matthew 1, going through the genealogy of Jesus, we can read it. So we know that um, great-grandmother to King David, Ruth, is that, and in the lineage of Jesus. Matthew 1.1 says, The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham, go down to verse 5 and 6. You know, these are the chapters that this person begot, this person begot, this person. It's this huge, huge list. But in this list, you're going to see this beautiful name. It says, Solomon begot Boaz by Rahab. Boaz begot Obed by Ruth. Do you see that name, Ruth? This is so crazy, God. This is the kind of, this is the kind of redeemer that God is. Begot um, Ruth, Obed begot Jesse, and Jesse begot David the king. God is a redeemer. We, we get to see this story from beginning, middle, and end. And I just want to tell you wherever you're at right now and any little parts of your story, I speak to it and just say God is a redeemer that we don't have to re be resigned to stay where we're at and that story not expect something to change. And so tonight I just want to stir that faith up and say I can tell, like even having Shana get up on this stage, I believe is part of redemption in your own life. And it is so cool to be a part of. And even, I don't know if you, Jason and Amy Miller who led worship together, they haven't led worship together for 16 years. Like there is so much stuff being redeemed that it's not just like, oh, Candace got to experience Christmas with her daughters. Like the Lord is redeeming things in our lives. And there are things that are like, oh, yay, it rained today and then it's sunny tomorrow. Then there's seasons. Actually, we're turning into winter. In winter, there's a little more rain than normal, except for in South Carolina in the summer, it rains a lot too. But um, when you get into seasons, it means the overall setting is changing. And I feel like there is something about right now that it's not just for anyone individually, but there's actually a turning and redeeming happening in your lives. And so I want to speak that over you guys and release that, but also take time to partner with what God is doing and partner our faith, because I believe it's important what we choose to do when we're in the middle of it. Like, are we going to start thanking God for what he's doing? Are we going to continue? Are we going to try to run away or hide under a rock? I mean, we can choose to do anything. And I, I'm encouraged by Ruth, even the character that she responds with, the level of hard work, discipline, um, but even in what a blessing she was to those around her because of how she responded. And I believe that we're in a moment right now that, um, that we get to step in in faith into new places, but also get to see a turning. Um, and um, yeah, I want to partner with what God is doing. And so I say to you tonight, the story is not over yet. It is not over. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. We work, um, all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to, those, to his purpose. God doesn't waste anything. So whatever you're going through, just know like when we get, to, when we get victory in certain areas, I believe that as, um, when that happens, that I get a key. I get a key because I went through something and then I got victory. God, God turned that story in my life and then I get this key because it's something that was overcome in my life. And you know what keys do? They open up doors. 
And doors, once you have a key, I can open that door anytime I want. It isn't something I live under. It isn't something that I'm bound by. I actually have a key and I can open it freely and close it. And that means I can do it for other people too. So these are really big things. So whatever you're working through in your life or that God is um, bringing you through, I believe it's not just for you, but he's gonna use it for the good, for your good and the people around you and their good. And so that's what we get to do together. So why don't you stand with me? We're gonna pray. Because today we are leaning into the Lord, the Redeemer. And I believe that um, we are not supposed to leave the same way we came in tonight. And I just want to say that God is going to work out all things for our good. That he wastes nothing. And that even when we can't see it, even when we don't understand it, and even when we don't feel it. It's beyond our feelings. That's when we just step in and we're like, okay, Lord, we'll receive it because it's not based off who we are. It's based off who he is. That, oh, and he's good. Get ready. Get ready. So tonight, I want to pray for anyone who would say, gosh, I feel like I am in that spot. Either I, stuff has been lingering too long, there's been stuff that's been broken, lost, stolen, and it's time for stuff to change. And I would love prayer, uh, people of faith to partner with me to declare a turning and a redeeming of this in my life. If that is you, I just want you to raise your hand because we're gonna pray. You can raise two hands if you want. I see your two hands. Um, We're gonna pray and actually believe for God's redeeming in that area of your life. Just raise your hand because we are gonna pray. And there's something powerful when there's prayer of more than two people, then prayer of faith as well. People who have faith who can say, actually, I know who the Lord is. I have a key because I know and I'm going to use it right now. So if you have someone around you with their hand raised, I want you to go over, put your hand on them because that's the beauty of being in church is you're not alone. And you have people around you to love on you, to partner with what God is doing in your life. And there's some people we're gonna be praying for houses, for jobs, for relationships, for marriages. It doesn't matter what that is, we're gonna watch it turn in the mighty name of Jesus. So everyone have someone praying for them? Okay, Lord, I thank you for everyone in this room and I thank you for people who raised their hands, God. And I just declare that you are the redeemer and the restorer of all things. And for all the stories right now, God, I invite you right into the middle of the story. Lord, and I thank you for who you are. And I thank you for extravagance. Right now, I pray the extravagant provision of God over your story. In an area that you um, are praying for, God, I pray for double, a double a double portion of redemption. Um, and even that it wouldn't just come back up to normal, but it would be extravagantly redeemed and restored in the mighty name of Jesus. So God, I thank you for the courage to invite you in the middle. I thank you for the courage to have strength to stand and to thank Thank you for who you are right in the situation. God, so I bless this family. I thank you for the testimonies that are happening right now. I thank you for the breakthrough, God. We just praise you and we um, adore you as redeemer tonight, Lord. Yeah, and I thank you, God, for this family. So we bless everyone in Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening, and we hope this talk benefits you in every way possible. For more information about Studio, you can go to studiogreenville.com or go to Instagram 
and look for Studio.Greenville. We would also love it if you would leave a review and hit those five stars. Other than that, have a great week and we'll see you soon.